Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck. Each week, we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week... Bright light! Bright light! That's right, we're watching Gremlins from 1984, directed by Joe Dante. You know, ever since you got that soundboard, you've just been incorrigible. That was... a perfect little soundbite straight from the movie and i really enjoyed it yep copied uh, directly from the internet and definitely not me doing the voice uh how long has it been for you john since you've seen this it's it's mm, a good question it's been quite some time um i feel you know at, at the risk of launching into a long story i do feel it's important that i I'm up front and share my history with gremlins. Okay. So, as a child, before I'd ever heard of gremlins, before I'd seen the movie Gremlins, before I knew anything about it, my dad had gotten the novel, the novelization of the movie Gremlins. They not made a novel out of this? This, this was not, <clears throat> to my knowledge, this was not a movie based upon a book, but... After the movie was released, they released a novelized version of the movie via book. I mean, they've done that with other sure. properties. Sure. But... So, so follow me. So, <clears throat> without having any knowledge or having seen the movie, uh, either myself or, or my dad, he had read this book. And then he described... The, the gremlins and the story and what was going on. Like he was telling like a campfire story about gremlins and it scared me out of my mind <laughs> to the point where I didn't even want to see the movie. I was so scared. Oh, no shit. And growing up gremlins were my single greatest fear as a child. I was so sure they were hiding in my basement in the dark spaces, and I'm sure they were in every corner waiting to jump out and just eviscerate me. And, like, just for years and years, I was so sure of this. In fact, I even have a silly photo of me for this one Halloween. For a, I was in Cub Scouts, and we had to do a haunted house. And they're like, do whatever you want for your costume. And my thought was, what's the scariest thing you could think of? And, of course, the answer was gremlins. So I made my own little lame gremlin costume by putting pointy ears on a hooded sweatshirt and painting my face green. But like my thought process was there's nothing scarier. You know, we've, we've done like the exorcist on the show. And I think, I think Wiley was on for that. And, you know, just telling stories about that being the, one of the scariest and craziest moments of his life watching it for me, it wasn't even the movie gremlins. It was the idea of gremlins. And then much later, like I'd say maybe high school age, I ended up watching the movie and I was like, what? <laughs> are you I was afraid of this. Are you kidding me? These are like, <laughs> this is like a comedy. These are like puppets. This is not like, it just blew my mind after oh my the expectations God. and all the, the lore and the story 
had built up in my imagination. So that was one early lesson that my my mind is far more capable of creating ways to scare myself than uh, Hollywood. That's, um, that's incredible. But yeah, but since I've seen it several times, because it's kind of fun, cute story, and you know, it, it's just one of those movies where I certainly don't. I mean, aside from the the scary history I just shared, uh, as the movie itself, I don't have super strong feelings. So I'm coming at this kind of a little bit vague. Um. Oh, by the way. You know, I was scared and had all this stuff, but I also had a gizmo stuffed animal uh, when I was younger as well. Yeah, we all did, though. As long as they didn't transform into a gremlin, then then you're cool. Yeah, sure. Wow, that's a, that's an incredible story. I have to <laughs> ask, uh, R.E. the uh, Halloween costume, how many, uh, how many times were you mistaken for Yoda from Star Wars? Strangely enough, not at all all really whether it's because i didn't look like yoda or a gremlin or (laughs) or no one really cared because it was a bunch of kids just randomly running around in a a quote-unquote haunted house scaring people and it was dark and no one knew but i knew i was a gremlin yoda was the first thing that came to mind when you described your costume so yeah that's uh that that's where my head went I'll have to share that via social media when we post this. Uh, oh, yes. If you have a photo of it, we'd love to see that. Yeah, that's that can do. Um, I think it'll just enhance everybody's uh, listening pleasure this week. Agreed. Uh, it's probably been 15 years for me um, since I've seen this. I, I definitely didn't have uh, quite the experience you did. Uh, I remember, like, I remember loving the movie, but I don't really remember why, and I, I, I'm ninety five percent sure it was because of Gizmo and like the the cute little Mogwai and all that. Uh, this, I did have a dog is... named Gizmo because of this movie. Now this will be our second Howie Mandel movie. Oh, it will because he does do the voice of Gizmo. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it might be a first for everyone else. Though no, we haven't done a Phoebe Cates movie. Yeah, we haven't done no a Karate Kid, a Joe Dante movie. I think probably the, the the next closest would be Chris Columbus, uh, who wrote it. But Pat Morita, forget I said that. Pat Morita, sure, if you want to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> uh, cool. What do you say we go watch this? Uh, we're gonna go do that. It's only streaming for free right now on Fubo and Sling. So if you haven't used a free trial of either of those, you could probably go and do that. Otherwise, catch it on one of the streaming rental services or from your personal library. And when we come back, we are talking Gremlins. John, are you ready? Oh, I was born ready. Let's do it. I wasn't actually born ready. In fact, I wasn't ready from ages, you know, 6 to 12. (laughs) Roughly since you watched the movie until... Or from when you you heard the novelization to where you actually watched it, right, right. That that like there's probably about a five to six year window where I was just too scared to watch it. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Welcome back, everybody. Bright uh, lights, bright lights. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, quick note uh, from the earlier part of the recording: super not Pat Morita in this movie. 
I never said it was. You sure did. I No, I think you misunderstood. I was doing my classic bits where I recast it in in the oh. pa- in, in the past. Oh, it was an early I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we dreamcasted that role as Pat Morita, who uh, rest in peace. Uh excellent. So well, it's funny because uh, <laughs> Billy also kind of has some Ralph Macchio vibes. Zach, whatever his name was. Uh you know what? I'll give you that. I mean, vibes. I'm not saying they're identical or nothing. Like yeah. That. Sure. Yeah. 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 I get that. I, I could see that. So, you know, I guess that means that my Karate Kid call-out was totally warranted. Yep. Uh-huh. 100%. I feel a little embarrassed now because this is a movie that takes its sensitivity towards subject matters. Like, you know, it, it doesn't, it takes it seriously. You don't, it doesn't want to just do overgeneralizations or stereotypes of different characters. It doesn't want to fall into that Orientalism trap that you you know, see back in the day. So I, I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like a real jerk. Very progressive, this movie. So progressive. Thank you, Chris Columbus. <laughs> Great job. One one other thing I wanted to call out here, not nothing that you said or that either of us said, but Billy's walking down the street at the beginning of this movie and says, hi, Dr. Moreau, in front of a veterinarian's office. And I just thought <laughs> it was that was such a neat thing, just a cool call out. Uh, and, and homage to uh, the island of Dr. Moreau. There are so many little hints and cameos and and product placements and references to other movies. And like that there one actually bit, was rather yeah. clever. I like that one. Yeah, because it was it was very like nonchalant kind of thing. It wasn't like boom in your face unless you knew, you know, the story of the island of Dr. Moreau. You really wouldn't get it. Uh, but I, I, I heard it and I had to actually rewind and go, well, he didn't say like Dr. Monroe, did he? <laughs> no, it was Dr. Moreau. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. All right. We're beating around the bush here. Let me just say, this is not a good movie. It's not that great. It's, it's not, not a terrible. good movie. It's, it's a waste of time. What is this movie? What is it trying to be? Why, why did everyone and kind of me a little bit, like, I didn't love it when I was younger because we've already gone over. I went through the. The whole fear factor thing. Yeah, it but wasn't a big deal. Once I finally saw it, I had a good opinion of it. I enjoyed it and all. And and certainly there's a couple of things that are worth enjoying in this. But, like, what is this movie? Like, maybe I'm just not a very good target demo for the whole, like, awkward comedy slash horror genre. I mean, there, there are movies that are much better comedy horrors. But, like, what Like what Mac and Me. Like Mac and me, it was horrific. <laughs> um, yeah, but like I, I think of you know like Cabin in the Woods, or I think of Slither, or like there's these movies that like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those, I think are are warranted. Like they have an a uh, nice little combination of horror and comedy, and this just felt like a broken kids movie and and like or like a guy was direct gun supposed to direct a kids movie and he got fired but like he got revenge by making it into this weird movie that was not going to be appropriate for kids but they didn't tell the marketing department that and like ooh, it's a big controversy but no no that's not none of that stuff quite happened so my theory is 
1984, and the studio goes, okay, we need a Christmas movie. We have this one movie about gremlins that's been shelved for a little while, in a few months. Maybe we can turn it into something. Maybe we can place it around Christmas. Except this movie did come out in June. Okay. It came out the same day as Ghostbusters, actually. Well, oh, wow. Literally the same opening day. And it almost made the same exact amount of money as Ghostbusters. Holy shit. The first week, anyway. So Um, then, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll walk that back a little bit. Still with the Coke, because it's 1984, and there's a lot of Coke going around still. They they needed something to compete with Ghostbusters, uh, and they wanted something that was also kind of cutesy, so they had this little adorable creature that you could buy in stores uh, from, like, Mattel, and that was the, the key driver here, I think, was being able to sell a stuffed animal. Yeah, I think that, that, that little Furby was pretty cute. <laughs> he was a bit like I mean I shouldn't say he was a bit Furby. Furbies are a, were a bit gremlin, like a bit Mogwai for sure. Uh I I I definitely see a, a lot of, you know, stolen design ideas there for sure. Yeah. And but I mean it, with some minor exceptions, there was some perfectly decent puppeteering work i guess you'd call it sure um, yeah absolutely and, and and gizmo i mean they they weren't wrong that gizmo was the, the the center of the movie in terms of you know its cuteness and heart and like i mean he was definitely an anchor point to be sure i wasn't really too interested in the human beings in this movie no matter how hard they tried oh. to give them stories i just wasn't into them um, but Gizmo, I, I, I kind of was digging and I almost wanted, I was almost yearning for some sort of backstory, like with Stripe and Gizmo and stuff. And let me, let me ask you this. Are you familiar, uh, in the world of comics with the, the X-Men character, Multiple Man? Yes. So for our listeners who don't know, basically, uh, you have, uh, Jamie Madrix, Madrax and, uh, his mutant power is, uh, well, essentially, he can make duplicates of himself, and it, it starts off by accident where he can't control it if he gets, like, hit or, you know, like, some kind of vibration, you know, like, anything happens where someone pats him on the back and boop, pop, uh, one of another one of him comes out and, and stuff. But, like, as you progress and learn about the character, and there's a whole series called X Factor that was really cool that he was in for a while uh, with, like, a detective agency vibe, but it turns out, like... So his power is not just to create duplicates of himself, but he can reabsorb those duplicates and learn anything they've learned. So like he would send them out into the world and one could learn Taekwondo and one can learn chess and one can learn about the Revolutionary War and he reabsorbs these doubles and then that one central person knows all these things. And he's honestly one of my favorite characters in, in comics and and like that particular superpower I think is awesome. And I and arguably and, one of the most useful mutant powers. Yeah, and like gets downplayed and not emphasized as much as I would love because it's not as flashy as shooting lightning, you know, and stuff like that. But adamantium claws and shit. But fi- there, there's a point. I have a point, and that is uh, one of the other uh, plots revolving around uh, Jamie is that sometimes he'll 
every once in a while he'll like have a little double pop out and like it doesn't want to get reabsorbed it wants to be independent and live on its own and sometimes these little one-offs have unique personality traits that are like you know one that's like super depressed and he's just like i just don't want to get reabsorbed i I'm too tired. That sounds horrible. And, and like all that, it's just kind of comedic, but then there's this one version of himself. That's this psychopath. Um, and so there's these cool storylines where he's basically fighting himself. Cause this thing splits off from him and becomes like his mortal enemy and, and all this. And, and the whole point, the whole idea is like, this thing has always been inside of himself. It is a part of him but it's embodied, undistilled on its own. It's like the ultimate like evil character he has to fight. And like in Gremlins, because I needed to make this movie more interesting, I'm thinking of Stripe as that component within Gizmo that is that the psychopathic dark element that splits off um, and like it becomes, you know, fighting head to head with Gizmo and and like so like i was just playing with that idea but then that made me think that like everything that splits off gizmo is horrible <laughs> but that's not necessarily true even though a lot of these gremlins it's like i i think it's that whole process you can't even say it's when they turn into gremlins that they become bad because they're really causing trouble when they're oh, still oh yeah mogwai. they were bad as mogwai for sure i mean they they you know they they killed the clock to make sure that they could eat after midnight so that they could change. Like, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they, they strung up the dog. Oh, yeah, that was super fucked up. I was like, well, that poor fucking dog. Like, thankfully, that dog was okay. If that if they would have killed the dog and hung it up in lights, that would have been, like, over the top, just horrible. I I do like the multiple man corollary, though. That's a, that's a neat way of thinking about it. And, I, and to that point, I would have... Uh, I, I, I would have really enjoyed i think a uh a gizmo stripe showdown uh yeah you kind of got one but like nothing that was actually explained or given or played out or, or anything yeah. like that yeah <coughs> uh no i i think that would have been super cool uh, and, and i think that it was a a neat uh a, 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 a neat comparison that you drew there so you bring up, I mean, you've opened up a can of worms when you say how they like, you know, chew through the electrical cord to turn the clock off. Um, this movie made me a little bit angry, even though I'm supposed to just go, well, it's just a fun little fantasy, a dark fantasy. I shouldn't pay attention to things. But when a movie goes through the lengths of telling you what the rules are, it's like, they they're inviting you to think about such things you know they're emphasizing it so heavily and so i remember when i was younger i used to think well but what about you know different time zones and you know what if you know what midnight is kind of an arbitrary thing you know what if they start eating at 11:45 but they're still digesting their food later like i had all these like thoughts even then and then this time around i was just thinking you're telling me these little gremlins are or Mogwai at this point, are so clever and they understand the rules and they want to become gremlins that they're going to escape their little playpen, go chew through the wire, go through all the subterfuge just so they can get fed, you know, a little after midnight instead of a little before midnight. Like, they're going through this whole thing, but, like, they're not smart enough to keep a little bit of their dinner tucked in the corner of their box and then just munch on it later. 
Well, and they even bring that, like, obviously we didn't watch the second one, but they bring it up in the second one, like, okay, well, what if he eats a bagel and it's got poppy seeds and one gets caught between his teeth and then it <laughs> pops out after midnight? Does that have, does that do anything? Like, come on. Are we going to throw every, you know, hypothetical situation into this? It, it, they, they knew what they were doing, I think, because they're just sort of, like, it, it's an innate thing. Like, dogs know to uh, search out the scent of other dogs and piss on it. Like it's just sort of something that they know to do. And that gizmo has been trained to not do trained or is it because he's good? It could just be because he's good. You're right. But I don't know. It, it's, it's something that's there. Um, it, it, and, but uh, I'm glad you brought up the, the whole rules thing and how that was sort of uh, wedged in like all, all um, but super intentionally like hey these are the rules by the way these are super the rules don't break them there were other things in this movie that were also hammered in really hard that probably felt really out of place one thing in particular uh was kate's hatred of christmas and mm-hmm. why like that's that felt really awkward the the way that it was brought up the first time and like i don't celebrate christmas i just don't like it and then later on, her telling the story of her dad dying, and I'm like, Jesus, why are we having this moment right now? Well, like, it, sometimes it's when you're in the middle, fucking of, out of place. No, no, no. I think it makes perfect sense because when you're in the middle of catastrophe and the town's burning to the ground and everyone's life is in danger, you gotta take a little time to monologue. You know, uh, you gotta, you gotta really dig deep and tell a story and not be like a regular human, like. Even if she just said, my dad died on Christmas, like that would be enough. That would hit you in the gut. Absolutely. That's, that is reason enough. We don't need the horrific details of how your father didn't return home after work and was missing for days. And then you smelled the stink in the fucking chimney. Like we did not need that. That was not necessary for the story. Yeah. And and not only, not only, okay. Not only is that. Uh, out of place tonally and, and all that but again the logistics of these things first of all has anyone i mean obviously people probably have tried this but <laughs> do, do they really think you can get down a chimney a standard chimney to a house like a human being can do that and if you are going to do that what you just go from climb up on the roof and go down but she makes a whole big story about how they had to pry the topper off of this thing for the you know it's like Wait, so he climbed into the chimney and then reinstalled the, you know, the rain guard metal topper thing on top of it so he could squid <laughs> like it like it just felt like the kind of story that a liar tells, you know, like someone who just compulsively needs attention and they want to tell you all these meticulous right. details that make no sense. Because you if you listen to a liar tell a story, they are they're very meticulous about the details and like, oh, yeah, this was it was a rainy day. I remember it was a Thursday. Yeah. And and it was sixty seven degrees, and like they're they're super into the the minutia of the details of the story, uh, more so than the story itself, to try and like pull off the fact that oh no, this, I'm, <coughs> I'm full of shit. In reality, she probably killed her father, and Kate's is the just real suppressing the it. And exactly, she's suppressing it with this falsified memory of him dying uh, in the chimney. She probably pushed him into the fireplace. Uh, because she is psychopath. So what we really see here is that um, Billy 
uh, is the he he provides the energy that tr- is transformed into our little friend Gizmo, mm-hmm. and Kate provides energy that's transformed into Stripe. Um, I, I know I'm not saying this in the most co- coherent way, but what I'm saying is that it's kind of like instead of people getting into huge mechs and battling I was out, just thinking of that same, <laughs> same thing as you were describing it. <laughs> but yeah, so we're seeing the battle between Billy and Kate take place on a subconscious or ultra subconscious level embodied in these creatures that only exist because some alien has given them the the ability to manifest into these creatures and and that alien of course is the the that the, the old grandfather guy. no it's the, oh, old, the, grandfather. Old, the old grandfather okay okay here's the thing is now i'm 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 now picturing uh gizmo and stripe uh in like a belly chamber a la Krang from Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, and so we can fully see them inside the bellies of Billy and Kate. That was the original kids. cut. That was the, oh, oh. Okay, now now this this is not a, this part isn't a joke. The, the original cut of this movie was two hours and 45 minutes. Jesus! <laughs> and like, there was all of this emphasis on, uh, 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 Judge Reinhold's character and building him up into this really evil, horrible person. You know, I wonder and, why he only had like three minutes of screen time. Yeah, like at some point along the line, like and, and Steven Spielberg, who was you know produced this but didn't direct it, like he he had a lot of input and was always like making comments. At one point, he was saying that he didn't even think that the the real like point of this movie had anything to do with the actual gremlins and he kind of wanted to have them fade out of the picture and the movie could just be called people and and it would kind of focus on how (laughs) on how people are just kind of awful um which i think it kind of did anyway but like so i just think it's it's funny that like the whole point of this is you know the redeeming thing is having gizmo in it and um but then that that's the other like interesting thing as well as that in in part of the original script uh that gizmo was supposed to turn into stripe um and so yeah so he was this he was not supposed to be a sidekick for for billy for the whole movie he was supposed to you know start off cute and then you fit him and then that's that's the that's the hubris that's when they that's when they go bad and then all of a sudden you have this there's more invested in that that dynamic between billy and stripe you know, because there was that we were close and they were cute and I loved him and now he's bad. Surely he won't kill me. Well, I guess he will because somehow he found a tiny mini little crossbow in this uh, sporting goods store. But I um, feel like that's a better movie. I Well, yeah. Uh, a lot of things could be a better movie. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, no, I, I feel like that's... I, I, wow, that's, yeah. that's a very interesting idea. But like you brought up earlier, it I, I really do think it was the, the commercialism aspect, ironically, because obviously this movie wanted to pretend like it's like railing against commercialism around Christmas. But the fact that they know they had a marketable character in, in, in Gizmo that well, on they top wanted. Of that, like you, you don't have a Gremlins 2 if you make that movie. Well, that may be. That is true. Uh, at, at or least not do the... you? Oh, because you know where Gremlins 2 comes from. Where the hell is that gremlin that was taken to the school that escaped into the ductwork? What happened to him? Oh yeah, huh? 
What did they, happen to him? They do the whole alien thing where they don't show him and he's running around and he's escaping in events and oh, it's a big threat and oh, it's gonna. He doesn't me. just meet up with the other gremlins and no, end up in the movie theater. Oh, no, he he's he's setting himself up pretty for gremlins too. The <sighs> alternate version we don't see. Ah, okay. You know, I I I had forgotten about the movie theater blowing up too. I I think I confused the ending of this with Gremlins too, and I had it in my head that all these gremlins were going to get electrocuted or or just like catch sunlight like i didn't I realize that the they only you know, they, the they only thing up. the only thing i remember from gremlins 2 and this might not even been true is that i have this memory of there being like a super intelligent gremlin who like talks maybe with an english accent there is yes okay. that is 100 percent correct so that's all i remember of gremlins 2 i probably <laughs> saw that once 30 years ago and haven't seen it since I mean, I'm not, it's, it's I'm definitely not targeting us. Uh, it's not it a better movie than Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to get back to the 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 Gremlins we know and love, and in this universe there is no other Gremlins movie yet. Um, yeah, I feel like they they could have been setting things up for the sequel with that hidden, uh, not hidden, but that Gremlin that got away. Because I yeah. feel, you know, what also would be interesting is if Gremlins two. The actual Gremlins 2 that should have happened, not the new batch. That Gremlins 2 would have taken a bit more of a lesson from like Alien, and because there were certain little xenomorphic characteristics, especially the eggs. Oh uh, yeah, I, I I super got that vibe. After. I thought it. I mean, I thought it was cool when you have a Mogwai, and if you feed it after midnight, all of a sudden he then sprouts a green LED light. Um, <laughs> and you know, before they even had LED lights that were popular and and because those the lighting inside those eggs were really something and and inside the ymca like when when right when stripe jumped into the the pool like it was uh it it was a neat effect you know but that that kind of happens with some animals and stuff and the whole Mm -hmm. you know phosphor phospholuminescence phosphorescence bioluminescence bioluminescence that's the one um so at any rate what what happens in this other Gremlins too is that if you take one of these, because this whole movie takes place over the course of what two days, uh, if that, yeah, because it was Christmas Eve and then Christmas, so between two to three days at the very most. Yeah. But if if one of these Gremlins, you know, it if if it lives for you know a, a you know a year or two, it starts to become more like human size. Um, this is what I've decided in my head. Um, right. I figured that. So gremlin two starts off and we have like this, you know, more of a godfather vibe where, you know, you have this, this gremlin who has grown and he's learned to talk and like, he's running a a mafia, you know, in some dark part of town. And, and then he flashes back to when, you know, he got, got blood taken from him as a kid. And now he just wants to, you know, cause chaos. He just wants to see the whole world burn. (laughs) I love it. It's fun to play in this space because anything I dream up is going to be better than what actually happened. That is, that is absolutely true (laughs) because the gremlins to a new batch uh, is not good. There's another rammed in Kate story. Uh, This one, I want to say it's revolving Lincoln's birthday. Uh, so, or or President's Day or something. It has to do with a, a man in a park who looked like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <coughs> oh, you're killing me here. It's it's awful. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Are I don't really want to know this, but so are Billy and Kate in the second movie? They both are, yes. Yeah, okay, wonderful. Uh, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, the the guy I complained about in Scrooged, uh, I mean, I complained about it. No, I didn't complain about it that many people, but uh, the, the one who said it had a very punchable face. Uh, hang on. I'm going to find out who that it's like, is. It's the crickets from this side. Hang on. I'm getting there. Uh, John Glover. Uh, John Glover is in it, uh, as are Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates. However, shit, maybe, maybe we need to rethink Gremlins 2 and its badness or goodness, uh, because it has Robert Picardo and Christopher Lee. No, we don't have to rethink it. I think we're good. Um, <laughs> so now, one of the things I thought, you know, you're 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 spot on with the whole uh, Kate having some forced moments and things to to give her character flavor. That felt weird, out of place, but it kind of felt that way a little bit with everybody in this way. Not necessarily a story, but they just felt like someone wrote this character. And they're really attached to the concept of these people just being, you know, humans with really interesting and backstories who you really care about them. And it's like, it just, it made it hard to watch. And and I'm going to focus mostly here on good old Randall. Because his dad being this helpless, not helpless, but this hapless inventor... You know, where they have to keep showing us over and over all of his stupid inventions that don't work. It's like we wouldn't get it if they just showed us once or twice or three or four more than four times. (laughs) They take minutes to just demonstrate to us yet another way that and, and like and here here's another thing. First of all. He wasn't some kind of horrible inventor. He was someone who could circumnavigate the laws of physics, and no one appreciated it because he could. He invented a machine that could transform one little orange into like fourteen metric tons of goop. Like he that's made amazing. the illogical logical. Yeah, like they're they're they played with this. And something, something. I tell you, when they cut an hour and ten minutes from this movie, like they lost, they lost that Doctor Strange element where he was a master of the mystical arts or something, because that could have been interesting. But as it was, they're like, oh, we think a kind of a sad sack would be a really interesting character to devote our time to. Like, I really want to know, like, what's going on with him when he's stuck at this gas station. Like, this is like the worst case scenario of planes, trains, and automobiles where, you know, he's trying to get home and you just don't care. You just don't want to know more. Yeah, except it's unfunny, too. That's one of the reasons you don't want to (laughs) hang out with him anymore. (laughs) Now, I will say to his credit, uh, the actor who played him, Hoyt. Hoyt Axton is great. Although, yeah, but like relegated mostly to sitcoms and B movies, I was looking at his resume. Well, Speaking of his resume, he he was a a well known songwriter for a while. That is true. Yes, uh, and probably his better credits are as a songwriter than as a an actor. Because he did what uh, Joy to the World, not not the Christmas Carol, the Three Dog Night version. Yep. The Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Mm-hmm. 
Dreamcast here. <laughs> um, I always like to show off those vocal chops, but uh, it's, it's hot. And so, like, he he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm writing songs. Oh, yeah, you know what? I'll I'll just be ooh, master of the mystical arts. This sounds cool. So <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna study under this this Chinaman, you know, and he's gonna teach me all of the, all of these different ways. This is this this sounds like gold. Like it doesn't sound offensive. I love it. I'm going to do it and we're going to have a 30 minute montage of me learning, you know, how to make the, you know, the illogical logical or whatever his stupid thing was. <laughs> um, yeah, it wears me out. Like just trying to make him more interesting. It's like, why this movie wasn't really about him. Was it, it was about the gremlins and maybe with Kate, at least I can, you know, she was a little more wedged into you know the the life of Billy and the the central part of things going on. Not that we needed to know why she hates Christmas on any level to, in order for her to fulfill her role there. But well, no, because she's only there as a semi romantic interest. Like yeah. she she serves no other purpose than that in this movie, and and maybe as a a a sidekick to Billy, which is kind of under utilizing a Phoebe Cates, if you ask me. Like Phoebe Cates, I think has a lot more to offer than than just that like she's you know she's phoebe cates but she they 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 make her into this like almost unlikable character like i mm-hmm. i i didn't like kate i i thought that she was poorly written i thought that she wasn't that she, her, her lines were stilted and the one moment that she had to really shine was the the that fucking shoved in monologue about you know her father dying and while it it was you know perfectly executed by Phoebe Cates it was still out of place and it was it it, yeah, it, just, it, was, it had it, it did not belong in this movie it was not and good i, I think did kate not like it kate's I, I think phoebe cates phoebe cates playing kate is weird to say it um, is yes phoebe's kate's performance what <laughs> phoebe's kate performance yeah uh to me the best part of that or her best moment in the movie it's just funny that i would even think this but it it was when uh billy asked her out like the look on her face the lighting they had the shot where she just kind of had that moment and you know and then she's like yeah you know like that little moment for like half a second was like made more kind of charming and, and interesting like and it was just like a little two second moment, but it felt authentic. It was her most human moment. Yeah, it was the most authentic interaction between, you know, some characters that we've seen. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you can have a movie, but the people acting could almost come across as real people. That's weird. I forgot about that. And then I've continued to forget about it as we got back into the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, can we talk for a moment about Rambo Mom? Rambo Mom. Yep. I think uh, that because was her name. Yep, uh, she's credited as Lynn, uh, uh, Lynn Peltzer, but she she is this sort of unassuming, typical you know stay at home mom type, who uh, obviously knows about the Mogwai and that the Mogwai turned into these eggs, and then when she found the eggs had hatched. Uh, did not listen to Billy when he said to get out of the house and instead hunted them the fuck down. 
and executed three of the four. Like, she fucking murdered the shit out of these gremlins. And Stripe ran away. And Stripe ran away. Because she's so badass. It is is her greatest regret that Stripe got away from her. She almost stopped Uh, the whole movie there. They're like, can we make this two hour and 45 minute movie just like 39 minutes? Yeah, let's just have her finish off Stripe. Oh, wait, that's too short. Let's have her chase him through the town and finally find him and fucking punt him into... Uh, you know, a, 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 an electrical transformer or something like she turns into this unstoppable badass who whose literal only regret in the movie now is that this last gremlin got away. But, uh, I, but let's be real. And, and again, a, a hammered in thing that is out of place for this character. Right. Except for because we miss all the backstory where we find out that she misses. Well, that's in the missing fifty nine minutes of, yeah. of footage that they cut. But Gremlins, okay, let's talk about Gremlins for a second here. Is it really that remarkable that she was able to take out three of these things? They they're about the size of you know. A teddy bear. I'm trying to think of like what looks a good wreck. Well, you know. so when they're mogwai, they're about the size of a teddy bear. When they're gremlins, they're about the size of. Well, I teddy would bears say, come in different sizes. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I mean, you're 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 run of the mill three year old carrying around a teddy bear is is about the size of a mogwai. I would say the gremlins themselves are probably a little more along the lines of maybe like a a. a an adolescent chimp. Maybe, yes. But size-wise can easily be fit into a standard microwave. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, well, so especially anyway. back... So think about the 80s. The microwaves in the 80s were pretty big. My, my grandmother's microwave was fucking ginormous. So Yeah. So you have these, these gremlins. Now, you know what? Sharp claws, okay. Sharp teeth, all right. I mean, there are animals... Uh, you know, occurring in nature that are probably relatively small in size you don't want to screw with, like, uh, you know, wolverine or badger or something. Granted, so it's not like something small can't be dangerous. That's not my point. But, like, her her reactions, her, her taking them out, stealthy ninja style, just going crazy, cool. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. But I'm thinking once you've encountered these things, a la Billy, and decide it's time to track them down and to do all these things. Like, wouldn't you take any basic precautions to make yourself just a little bit safer against these things? Like, the idea that, like, you're tracking them down, you're taking the time, you know, wherever, you know, you're, you know they're all holed up in this movie theater and you're going to sneak in and do all this stuff. And it's like... It just, I would just think you'd feel so vulnerable just go walking in there, you know, without like some sort of a shield or, you know, like something to kind of protect yourself, at least in the department store, he, you know, picked up a bat, which by the way, was really good at, you know, that wood was really good at stopping the chainsaw from going. Yes, (laughs) I I noticed that. That was impressive. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, other than that, it's like, he's not doing a very good job and, and maybe that's just cause he's a stupid little banker and you know, he's not meant for action, but uh, <laughs> it's a little, a little disappointing. I would have hoped, you know, and, and maybe that's just the way my mind works, but you get hit with these weird scenarios and you gotta, you gotta maximum survivability here. If, if you're not going to just run away and try to get away from everything and live, 
at the very least, just take an extra couple steps to make yourself, you know, a little bit less of a target. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh one uh, one more thing that I wanted to to bring up in, in terms of the the unbelievable things in this uh, this story is uh, Corey Feldman's character Pete. Huh. Uh, after uh, Gizmo's run in with the water and all the you know additional uh, Mogwai show up, he immediately leaves the. The, the scene of the crime and hops onto the bed to read a comic book. Yeah. Um, like, what are you doing? You just asked if you could keep one of these and then said, ah, uh, cool, what's happening in this comic book now? Like, Yeah, another example of a human character not acting like a human person. Right. Like, oh, uh, I, I had to do that because the script, like they said, that's what I had to do. All right, so we've bagged on this movie a lot. What? Uh, there's a couple of things that I enjoyed. Uh, one of them being the effects. In particular, uh, at the end of this movie, uh, Stripe melting in the uh, the fountain and then the skeleton of Stripe jumping out of the fountain I thought was immensely cool. Uh, I thought the, the melting effects were really, were really well done and then him like... His his skeleton jumping out and onto the floor and then melting there. I thought that that was uh, it, it was a pretty neat thing. I mean, I think you got you have to imagine moving forward that not another single gremlin is going to want to stare into the Ark of the Covenant like that again. That was it was a, a, a fair bit Raiders, yes, but I enjoyed it. But then again, so was other things like the billboard in the beginning. Yes. <laughs> wink <laughs> wink uh the other thing was uh mrs deagle on the uh stair chair uh her like they they the the gremlins messing with the stair chair and she like panics and sits down on it and hits the button and then goes shooting out the window i was uh, disappointed there was no slide whistle for that murder there <laughs> You know what? The, the the slide whistle notwithstanding, it was very satisfying because uh, Mrs. Deagle was a, a fucking like horrible, horrible person. But and no, exactly here, what she deserved. I don't agree at all. Because how dare you? This is the problem. She it's, literally threatened a fucking dog with slow death. That is the problem. She is not a real villain that you could even feel okay hating. She's the characterization. She's like, what if we just took like a Disney villain from an old animated movie, but then made her more despicable? You know, she's okay, like, okay, great. Cru- she's Cruella a more DeVille, despicable Cruella DeVille, but like, who deserved death. She just wasn't a human being. None of these human beings were human beings. They were all written like someone who had an idea for what a cool human being would sound like as a bad character. And like, and so her whole, like, if you had some lady, I don't care if, you know, she has money. She's cut in line. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to say nothing. And then she gets to the front of the line and talks about how she's going to joyfully torture. Super but go ahead. Torture and murder, you know, a cute little puppy. And it's just like, everyone's like, well, it's cool. We got no problem with her. No need to keep an eye on someone who definitely likes murdering. 
Which and by the way, the, the guy standing next to her as she's describing, going, "Yep, that'll do it." Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, fucking call the cops on this lady who's obviously a fucking you know animal abuser. Like, no, I'm. I I I felt zero sympathy for her. I was very satisfied with her death, and I don't care who knows it. Well, I mean. I I I don't I can't be as cavalier as you are because I <laughs> I was hoping for a really really long redemption arc for her and oh wait that's another thing got cut from the movie and they just threw, <laughs> threw her out a window at five. Oh, times was speed. was this supposed to be another uh, uh, Christmas Carol adaptation where Mrs. Deagle is Ebenezer Scrooge and she realizes the error of her ways via? Uh, the gremlins and well they did go out of their way to set up the wonderful life thing we saw how that worked out right and so like i really feel like that at some point in time this movie was supposed to be like a a frank capra-esque type of uh movie and like i think we were supposed to see a lot more of those elements of uh, of introspection and growth and then it just became about some some little creatures I'm having trouble picturing that movie. I'm not going to help you. Okay. You're, you're just going to have to struggle <laughs> along with with the fact that it didn't happen because I'm 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 bored of talking about alternate ideas of how this movie could have been more interesting. Yeah, because it couldn't have. Yeah. Uh okay. God, I don't even know if I have a final question. Uh it's it's hard to do with this movie. I guess uh who who are you putting in the roles of Billy and Kate? No. No. I'm not playing that game because no one deserves to be put into those roles. <laughs> I would have to rebuild this thing from the ground up and and I've already done my best with that with the whole multiple man idea and even that <laughs> focuses more on Gizmo and Stripe. So I don't want to give the human beings in this movie another thought because they're so badly written, uninteresting, and I'm just not into the idea of anyone else pulling on those particular, you know, articles of clothing and pretending that they're those characters. I just don't like any of it. I don't know if it's you'd have to just scrap it all and totally rebuild it from the bones up. It couldn't just be a reboot of what already happened. It'd have to just be different. How long is your uh, Gizmo and uh, Stripe multiple man esque fight scene? Oh, I mean, to do it right, I feel like that it should be more like a like a, a TV series on HBO or something rather than just a single movie. Oh shit! So you know, like, because you really want to get into that. But if it had to be a, a movie, you know, we're talking about like it's not just a fight scene. It's not just a oh look yoda is using a lightsaber it's it's more intricate than that it's 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 more like a sherlock versus moriarty kind of thing where oh i okay you know okay like i'm i'm smelling what you're selling and i'm really liking it right now. yeah so like that's what you, it's more psychological it's more following the clues and like who's gonna one up the other one it's not about who can like kick the other one the hardest um although gremlin kicker does sound like a really good product that we could sell around <laughs> christmas but like yeah it, it, it's, invented by randall peltzer yeah well you, oh i see what you want oh, well, let me just put some disgusting toothpaste in this thing now do you want it <laughs> oh, wah, wah. Well, that cleans right up 
Squirrel, 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 squirrel all over me. <laughs> no, that's I'm, all right. That's all right. I got it. Yep. You love me now, boy. <laughs> that's our show, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to us each and every week, uh, even with the stinkers like Gremlins. Uh, we have new episodes every Monday, so come and hang out with us and enjoy uh, these movies with us as we just still another favorite from our past. Uh, by the way, uh, if you are interested in uh, helping us to make really cool content, uh, we have a we have sponsorship opportunities. So if you want to uh, donate to the Memory Distillery, you can go to uh, anchor.fm slash the memory distillery slash support and you can donate uh, any amount uh, on a uh, one uh, I think on a one time basis or a monthly basis. And yeah, become a sponsor. Help us to, uh, you know, offset the cost of making some of this cool content. And we can come up with other cool stuff like Dream And yeah, I threw myself off with that, I think. Is that the best way to really appeal to people to support and to get us it, to do It's our more. most popular segment. That is true. Everybody loves it. And speaking, <laughs> speaking of speaking of segues, let me go ahead and transition to the point where I talk about music in our podcast. Um, we didn't get into our, music. our second most popular segment. Yeah, everybody loves that too. It's it's a big hit. Um, we didn't talk much about the, the the score for Gremlins because it wasn't good either. Uh, but it did do that thing that we've talked about in much better movies where the tone keeps shifting. It's like real creepy music, then happy-go-lucky music, and it doesn't always match up properly. Oh, the, the Jaws effect. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've dubbed it now is the Jaws the, effect. The Jaws effect. Um, and the, every time that happens, it makes me appreciate how smooth and steady and perfect our musical selection is for our podcast and being exactly what we want and that's all thanks to semaphore and their song destroying the evidence which we utilize in our podcast you should check them out as a band they're pretty cool also if you would like to email us talk to us uh, bring up any concerns you have like I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people who actually do like Gremlins quite a bit. Oh, we're going to get some hate mail for this episode. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't just don't just say that we're wrong, but make a case for your movie, and we'll maybe revisit our thoughts. Cite on it if your you're... sources. Yeah, you gotta you gotta sell it a little bit. Don't just talk about how much you loved it when you were young, because that's the whole point of this podcast. Is we've now debunked our nostalgia on this movie. But you can write us at thememorydistillery at gmail.com and share any of your thoughts because it'll be interesting to hear different takes on this movie in particular. Um, you can also tweet us at TMDPod. Uh, that's our Instagram handle. Um, and you can just visit us at uh, TMDPod.com. That's our website, right? It's just a little website that we have. It's, it's no a big little deal. website. No, it's, it's, By the way, before John says his goodbyes, uh, I just want to say we have two more uh, episodes coming up in our holiday classics uh, segment here. So, uh, and they're pretty. Pretty fucking good movies, I think. Mm. I think we're going to be pretty uh, pretty impressed, or at least I will be impressed with both of them. John <laughs> will be impressed with at least one of them. Uh, if you think that there's a movie that is very worthy of the Holiday Classics uh, segment that we should get to, uh, hit us up at any of those that John just mentioned. Now, wow. 
hit us up at any of those uh, avenues that John just mentioned, and yeah. maybe or even we just will... on Facebook. We we do a lot of chatting away on our Facebook page, uh, just yeah, like the Memory Distillery, and uh, we'll 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 take a look and decide what's what, and and along with that as well, just a, a reminder that as we hit the new year, like we do every year, because we've been doing this for many years now. Many. Um, we always find ourselves looking for uh, something new or interesting, a different take, a different approach. I mean, you get the gist of what we do, but, you know, whether it's hitting up an entire, you know, movie franchise with seven movies in it, whether it's, <laughs> you know, doing commentaries on movies on that have commentaries that were done by MST3K and like, you know, doing a whole Inception thing on ourselves, whatever it is, if you have some new, weird or different twisted ideas, I know at least seven of you do because I know you people and you're weird and twisted. <laughs> But we, we need to hear from you. Like, what, what direction would you like to see us play with, you know, as we're going in between in and out of different series? So you let us know. And, you know, maybe we'll we'll give you a shout out if we, we incorporate your idea into what we want to try out. But in and the meantime. By the way, it's Roscoe season's coming up soon. So oh, yeah, like if you have Roscoe ideas for season. Roscoe season, let us know. And maybe we can incorporate that as well. It's Roscoe's season. And that I think that happens after the Garmies, right? Yep, after the Garmies, uh, it's mostly surrounds chicken and waffles. Yeah, so uh, it'll be delicious, tasty, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have plenty of things to say on that front as well. Um, but in, in regards to Gremlins, the only other thing I really want to say about that movie is thanks for listening. I'm John Deck. And I'm Anthony Frenary, and this has been the Memory Distillery. Why? Why? <laughs> That's the that <laughs> <laughs> That's you've, the one. That's it. You've you've triggered a you've almost caused my death yet again, Anthony, <laughs> by your spot on perfect impersonation of the very essence of this movie. Perfect. Howie Mandel will be proud. Oh my goodness. You know, like I, I think from here the only thing you can do in your career is to become the voice of Gloomer. <laughs> Gloomer. <laughs>